This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So I just, uh, we're still looking for uh, some people for the ranch, whoever's watching. We need um, some, more, some more therapists. We need some regular girls who don't have a background really in therapy, but we need some counselors, mechanechases. So um, please call Arnava if you're a young lady or an older lady. Um, please, guys, do not send your applications. Um, it's O-H-R-N-A-A-V-A with 718. O-H-R. What's that? Which number is O-H-R? Let's see. What are the numbers? O-6-4-7-2-1. Right, no, uh, and V, eight. Six four seven. Six two two eight. Okay. Thank you very much. Anyway, this week's parsha has a lot to do with the Muna. Tell you a crazy story that happened this week. Well, before we get to the story, let's look at the first let's look at the first pastor. Mayama Hashem El Moshe Hashem said to Moshe Bo El Paro, come to Paro. Because I made his heart heavy. Not only his heart heavy, but the heart of his avadim. But that doesn't mean us. That means the other Egyptian. My teacher in order that I should show him my signs, my miracles. Not only for him. I'm not only making his heart hard for him. Which is Klai Israel to give over to your children and to your grandchildren. I played with Mitzrayim. I played with them. And the signs that I put by them, you know that, that, that I am Hashem. So, the question is, Right? Rabbi, what's the question? What's the question everybody has on this post-it? Go to Paro because I made his heart hard and he's not going to send you out. Why would you go to Paro if, you, if, if Hashem, you're telling me that you're making my Paro's heart hard and he's not going to listen to me what are you sending me on a mission? Impossible. It's an impossible mission. You're telling me before I go it ain't happening. So why are you sending me? The stira, the pasuk is the stira. Okay. What does it mean? Watch right. That's a different question. Teretz is that at this point, Moshe Rabbeinu did seven makars. The last one was a bomber, Barad. Right? Barad was fire. And water together, only Hashem could do that, right? This time, Hashem Hashem Here's what's going on over here. Paro is saying that God is the tzaddik, and me and my followers are Rishayim, right? Ayah, Paro, Kichodal, Hamotav, Abar, Vakailos. 
and he saw that Moshe Benu made everything stop. By Yosef Lachato, and he continued to sin. By Yechabi Libo Hu Avadov. So by Yechabi Libo probably she loves Bnei Yisrael. So at this point, guys, at this point, Moshe Benu said, "We hit him with the nuke. We hit him with the biggest one." He said, "Hashem's a tzaddik, and we're Rishon." And he still didn't do tshuva. Must be that it's me. Must be it's me. I'm not the right shliach. Hashem did his best. He hit him with barad, right? He's still not going out. Must be me. So this parasha bow. Hashem told him that it would hide his heart. So that means he wasn't going to let him chance. But his heart broke. His heart broke. He said, you harden his heart, and even with the hardening of the heart, he said, Hashem's the tzaddik, and I'm the rasha. Yeah, but here, but here, 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 Ezra Lukim is that, okay, Hashem has a finger. Here he's saying, we're wrong. We, I, I'm, I'm the Russia. But Shabbatah had, 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 was Miyayish. So Hashem said, Go to Paro. This has nothing to do with you. Because I made Paro's heart hard. Moshe was beginning to like, I'm not the man. You know, I'm not, I'm not being successful. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. I'm not being successful. You hit him with the best stuff, and he, you can't, this guy's like impossible. So Hashem said, no, go to Paro, because I'm controlling the situation. And the reason that he's not letting you out, the reason he's not letting you out is because I want the world to see all my oisos that I did, and I want Kleisrael to know something very important, that they're in Gullus. And they think maybe that it's their fault that they're in Gullus and they're not getting out of Gullus. But I'm doing this for a reason. I have a purpose. I want the Glam to see the end by Mashiach. I want everyone to see, but I want you to see. So this is a message to us because many times in a person's life, we, we do the right thing, we try to do the right thing. And the Glam are saying, You're in Tzadikim, and we're the Rishayim. They still don't let us out. So in, in our personal lives, we have this also a lot of time that we try, we try, we try, as it doesn't go. And we're beginning to be me'ayi, to say, you go to Paro. You do your job. It's like the woman pushing the boulder. You do the job. I'm the one that's behind this. And not stam I'm behind this. I have a purpose. I want to, to bring all these, thank you. I want to bring all these oysters to show who I am, and I want the Jews to see me at the same time, not just the Graham. All right. But he made Moshe the Shliach. He could have done, done all ten Makas in a row without anything. No, Moshe was the shliach. It wasn't done that way. It was done with the shliach, a uh, shliach of Hashem, in front of Klai in front of everyone. There was a little speech before every makkah. You know what I'm saying? And, and so Moshe Rabbeinu himself began to doubt himself after Barad. They're they saying it's, it's Hashem is the right way, and, and we're still not getting anywhere. So what do you want from me? So Kosh said, Bo el paro It's nothing to do with you. We've been speaking about this the last couple of weeks. 
It has nothing to do with you, Moshe Rabbeinu. You are the stick. You're the mata. It has nothing to do with you. You're worried that he's not listening because you're not the right shliach. You're not a shliach. This is me. I'm Ichbal Tiziva. I want to tell you. He's going through the motions. He, 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 he had to get up and make an announcement. I'm giving you another maka. And Hashem's the, the one and he gives us all speech. But Akash Baruch was saying, I, it, he's not, not listening to your speech because you're not a good orator. Or you, I didn't pick the Hashem, like I didn't pick the right man. I picked the right man. I'm, I'm behind this. You're doing your mission. We always have a mission. Hashem can do anything to anyone without, without Moshe. Just put the Yamsuf without Moshe putting his hand over the Yamsuf. He could have done the Makasaf, Moshe been using the Mat and all that. Hashem does, doing it through a human being so that we could see, you know, the person. Of course, Hashem could have done everything. Moshe was a Shliach. What? You would know, you know, but what happens is Moshe Rabbeinu is being Miyayish. He's being Miyayish that I'm not going anywhere. You're telling me after Barah it's not going to happen. It's not, he's not letting us out. So what am I going for? Because Baruch said, I'm going because it's not about letting the Jews out right now. It's about showing him my ISIS, my strength, and showing the Jews my power. It's not about getting out. Both. Both. Look at the passage. Also for us, for both sides. In order that you should be able to tell your children and your grandchildren, how I played with Mitzrayim, and talk about my and they'll know that I am Hashem. I don't want to talk about football, but I'm going to talk about football for a minute. It's an interesting thing. So there was this game with Minnesota, um, there was like 10 seconds left, and they were losing. And the quarterback just threw the ball, and this guy caught it. And not only did he catch it, but the guy who was supposed to tackle him fell, and he caught it, and he ran in for a touchdown. Like the most impossible play. The most impossible play. Minnesota walks off the court. No seconds left. They, they win the game. They're going to the semi before the Super Bowl. It was an amazing, amazing pass and an amazing catch, and everyone's talking about it. The young black player who caught the ball when he got to the touchdown, I mean, it was in Minnesota, the whole place turned over. It was like not normal. They lost. Everybody's leaving. They lost. It's over. This guy throws the ball. He turns to the, they go over to him. It's the moment of his life. It's, it's an unforgettable moment in the world of football. It was like, and the guy goes to the mic, and the guy says to him, it was amazing. He goes, it was God. That's what he said. This was all God. This has, this, I couldn't believe it. This has nothing to do with me. This is God. Did I caught the ball? Did I get, we got a touchdown? It's all from God. I was like, yeah. I think the whole play proves God. What a, one out of a billion. No, but what a Kiddush Hashem. I mean, Kiddush Hashem from a guy, whatever it is. What? Who, this guy? I don't know if he does. No, no, no. no, no. Give, credit, give credit where credit is due. At that moment, he said, it's all God. Am I saying, he's right, whatever, just, I, I look at it like this. You say, oh, Rawson, don't say that because um, it's a kitri on Klyashal. A guy like that makes a guy like that, gets up and says, it's all God. In front of hundreds of millions of people watching the game. Right? I said, it's not a kitri, it's a message. 
not a kitrick, it's a message to us. So all the kids that were watching football that are not so connected to God, that whatever, right, they're watching football and whatever, Hashem is saying, it's all God, even the guy catching the ball and making the touchdown. Everything is me, everything. You say, oh yeah, you think Hashem plays football? The world and everything that happens in the world is a Kodesh So it's not a Kitrigan Klaesho that he said that. It's a message to Klaesho. Okay, that's one story. The other story, it's fact, I, I didn't even see it. I didn't see it. Somebody told me about it. I always get this information from people, whatever it is. I'm a giant fan. They weren't in it. So I didn't say it. Um, the story I heard this week from someone that I'm very close to. And he said I could say it over. So there's someone I'm very close to who owned a company called FXCM. FXCM um, was a trading floor for a trading platform for money. Uh, currency, currency trading. And there were one, two, three, one. David, William, Joey. There were four owners. Um, yeah, there were four owners. And they were making money. They were the, they were the, give me that paper for a second. Your paper. I want to write something down. I thought I had paper on me. One second. I could, so we, we were talking. He came to my house this week. And I like to ask people questions. I want to understand the human being. Just want to remember. So, so they, they've, they've, uh, I've gone to them for tzedakah and um, they've helped me a lot in the old times. So the partners helped me a lot. They gave tzedakah, huge amounts of tzedakah to every shiva, to every uh, whatever, all four partners. They were very into giving tzedakah. Anyway, it was amazing. I took my, my high school there three times to, to go look at the platform, to see the platform, the trading platform. How? Special office. But the platform itself, there were hundreds of people working there. And everywhere in the world, if you wanted to trade currency, that's where you went. Made sick money. Sick money. One day, um, one day, the, the, the currency in England, the currencies in, in Europe, changed. And because it changed, totally flipped their business. They didn't have the backing deep enough. Nobody did to, to knew that that was going to happen. They lost the whole business. Totally, in one moment, lost hundreds of millions of dollars. Everything, gone. Once you don't have the backing, you're not, you're not FDIC back, you're not insured, you're finished, you're done. Nobody can trade you. Anyway, from millions and millions and hundreds of millions to zero in a morning in Europe when a law was passed. Lost everything. Legally, they closed them down. Can't, there's no platform anymore. You can only trade on FXCM outside the United States, but it doesn't belong to them. They lost it to finish because they didn't have the backing. So it's like, oh, you can't pay your mortgage, you take the house away? So some of the partners are from, some of the partners are not from, I'm very close to one of the partners that's from. He lives in Great Neck, William. And, and um, so he was in my house last week. I said, William, I have to ask you a question. 
You gave so much tzedakah with a smile, with an open hand. You're beautiful people. My, my BCA girls, we came up there. It's by Wall Street. We were up there three times. They put out a meal. They showed us the platform, how they trade. They told us how they came. Each one of them came from zero, zero, to the top of the world. Um, and they were amazing. They spoke to my girls, and they really gave them because one, you know, one was a taxi driver, like crazy story. I said, William, how do you deal with God? What? I, I need to know what makes you tick. Like now, that this happened. It happened about two years ago, and you you got wiped out. You gave so much tzedakah. You helped me. How do you understand this? How do you? Because I like to ask people, how do you get up every morning and like Hashem? Okay. You know, like, Hashem, I gave so much tzedakah, how can you do this to me? Mamish, it's gone. It's over. Gone. There's nothing. He said, I have to tell you a story. He said, I came to this country. I was a refugee, whatever, and I got a job. They're all very smart, these guys. I mean, they create a platform. It's not stop. Very smart. He said, I came to this country with nothing. I got a job. I got another job. I, I worked up into a um, into a company that was on Wall Street that was trading currencies. But we were very small at that time. I just started trading currencies, and they had these two tables together, like this, like these two tables together. And every single guy had a computer screen, right? Everyone that sat around the table, and they were trading currencies. And they would be like. So what does your customer want? And I got that. And what does your customer want? And I got that. You need, you need, you know, Swiss francs and you need English. And that, it was like crazy, like the stock market, like crazy around the table. And William, who's a very firm guy today, had a guy sitting next to him who was much older and trading for much longer. And um, they were mama sitting next to each other like Haruses. Became best friends. He wasn't Jewish. This guy wasn't Jewish. Became best friends. One day, um, everybody's talking that this guy that was sitting next to William got a crazy pro- promo- uh, promotion, and another company who decided they are going to be the number, this is before FXCM, they're going to be the number one platform in the world, hired the guy that was sitting next to him and told him, you hire whoever you want, you have to build an A-team, the best team in the world. Whoever you want, open bank. Whatever you want. Whatever you want to spend, we're going to be it. He said, I was sure, William told me, the first guy he's going to hire is me. We're best friends. We're sitting next to each other. He hires the guy across. Then he hires a girl across. Then he hires another girl that sat next to him. Then he hires another guy on the other side of the table. He's like, what's going on? I'm the man. We're best friends. He doesn't ask him. He's one. He said, I know. I'm going to be the closer. He, me, I'm automatically in. The other people, he has to, you know, whatever. I'm in. I'm going to be the last guy, right? And I'm probably going to get the most money. And all these people were getting crazy money because, because he was told to spend whatever it means to take him away from this company. He says, he stops hiring. And he says, we're done. We have the team. We have the A team. And he didn't hire me for a while, Steve. For six months, I could I I I, I couldn't die. I, I, Hashem, what did you do to me? This was the jump. This A team was going from a salary to a superstar. This A team was 
hired by a huge company. And he's like, how can you not take me? He said, well, after six months, I couldn't sleep. I, I, I was like, I can't understand that. It doesn't make any sense. So a year and a half later, on the 86th floor of the World Trade Center, was Cantor Fitzgerald, which lost their whole company because the plane, the jet, hit the 86th floor. Then it spread, then everything collapsed, whatever it is. Cantor Fitzgerald was on the 86th, 87th, 88th floor. Everybody got killed immediately. He said, that's where, that's where all these people got hired. The girl across from me died. The guy next to me died. Every single person that he picked for his team died on the World Trade Center. And then I understood that for some reason, he didn't pick me because Hashem didn't want me to die that day. He said, Rabbi Wallerstein, do you think after that day I have questions? I have no questions. He said, after that day, every day of life, no matter what happens, I have no questions. He said, I still see their faces. They were all my friends. Every one of them that he picked died. He says, I don't have any questions. No more questions. There's no more questions. So we don't understand that happens every day. We know the end of the story here. Every day, you, oh, I want to get that job. When I get that, when I get that. Hashem runs the world. He said, so you think when FXCM went down, I have questions? I don't have questions. It makes no sense that he did not hire me. No sense. I knew every single one around the table. I knew every one of them that was chosen. I knew every one of them that died. They didn't have a chance. Some people got out of the world trade. They didn't have a chance. It hit. I mean, we know that. Cancer Fitzgerald, they lost the most people of anyone in the... In the my friend, the Chevy Beagle, worked for them. He got killed. He was, an, he was a money manager, whatever. He got killed. It was on the AC's law. He said, he looked at me, he goes, I, I got no questions, Rabbi. <laughs> I wake up every morning, I'm like, I, I, I got another day. I had a job, I would have been sitting at my desk, I would have died. Have, he has kids since then, whatever. He said, when I had these children, we lost everything. That's the lesson, that's the lesson. That's what Hashem was telling you, my Shabbat it's, it's, it's about thank you. It's uh, it's uh, it's not about it's not about moving the rock. It's everything. I know you think that because you're no good, that's why Paro's not listening. And Pasha's bow after such a huge marker, such a nuclear bomb, right? Moshe Rabbeinu was going to give up. He was going he was going he was going to be meyayish. Because Baruch said, "Bo el Paro, go. Don't think about that. It's not working. It's not happening. You didn't get the job." You didn't get the job. Everyone around you got the job. I'm running the show. I have a whole different purpose. You think that the purpose... It's much the, I said it over so many times, I'm not going to say the story again, right, about pushing the boulder. It's that story. It's like, you think that you're going to Paro to take Kleistrol out. You're going to Paro to keep Kleistrol in. That's what the Pussy says. I, I'm telling you to go to Paro because I want to show all, I want to show them every single marker. You think you're going to take them out. No, you're going to keep them in. I want you to keep going to keep them in so that, that we can show, that we can show the miracles. The opposite of what you think. Could you give me some more water, please? The opposite of what you think. When I heard that story, I was like, wow, you know, so many, so many, 
so many customers I went to, I didn't get them, and this didn't turn out that way, and that didn't turn out this way, and all the girls that are listening, that are going out on Shaduchim, and you went out, and he said, no, whatever it is, you don't know, you don't know, you don't know, you don't know. I have a friend that, that was going out with this girl, he so wanted to marry her. He was so in love with her. He so wanted to marry her. In the end, she broke, it. she broke his heart. Not, I mean, not bad, but she said no. Thank you. And he couldn't understand. He couldn't understand. Shem, I wanted to marry her. A great girl. Again, I, I can't say it's her. I don't, I don't understand Hashem, what he does, but he really wanted to marry this girl. She died very, very young from cancer. But Hashem, he's married. His wife's healthy a long, long time. Still died very young. What do, you, what do we know? We don't know anything. We don't know anything. And that's the message. That's the message in Pasha's bow. Come to Paro. So that connects very much. Um, very fascinating about the Arba. I didn't bring my safer, but you know the Arba did not did not eat on they did not eat on Shabbos. It's another thing that I should put. I wish I would have had all this uh, Karsatov book. Moshe Rabbeinu went to Paro. He said to Paro, you know, if you're going to make the Jews work seven days a week, they're just going to burn out. You're not going to have anything. you got to give them a day off. So Paro said, okay, what day? So he said Saturday. So Paro gave Klaeshul off Shabbos. We kept Shabbos in Mitzrayim. Because Paro, no, you I didn't bring the safe here today, but because Paro... Let the Jews not work on Shabbos. The Arba could not punish Paro on Shabbos. So the Arba, which are insects, stopped eating the green from Friday night till Matzah Shabbos because they didn't have the koyach to eat on Shabbos, to do nezek, to do damage on Shabbos to a country that allowed the Jews to keep Shabbos. They were bugs. Because come we have to have Kivit of Amen and Hakar Satov. They were bugs. The bugs couldn't eat leaves on Shabbos because that would hurt Paro, and Paro let us keep Shabbos. He brings down the Sefer, a grasshopper. What? It's my Sefer. But it says in the Medrash that they didn't eat on Shabbos. No, you did. They didn't eat on so they stopped. And one of the psukim it says is there's a riot to it. They stopped eating on Shabbos. What about the other matter? Why does that have to be red Shabbos? No, I think they all stopped. They're all six days, no? I'm saying why the grasshoppers? Because the word they use. One second, I'll tell you the word they use. Also, that they couldn't see the land. All oh, right. Oh, Nairadik. It's also in that safer. Nairadik Pshat. Listen to this. Why does Why does the Torah have to tell us that she says in Aretz? Right. They covered the land. And they weren't able to see the land. And they ate everything that was left from the Barad. What does that have to do with seeing the land? So we said that a blind man, the Gemara says that a blind man, because he can't see the food, he's never satisfied. 
he keeps eating, he never can get satisfied because he can't see the food. She says that the grasshoppers, there were so many that they couldn't see the food. They covered it, they couldn't see the food. Because they couldn't see the food, they were considered like blind. Because they were blind, they kept eating, they could never get full. That's what he brings down. David says something about Shabbos. Maybe it's on the word Vayanach. You're right. It says Vayanach Vachol Yuvul Mitzrayim. So just like it says Vayanach Vayam Hashvi, right? Over here it says Vayanach. To tell you that there Vayanach Vachol Yuvul Mitzrayim, Vayanach here, Vayanach there, specifically on Shabbos. A bug has ah, a bug has has hakrosatov, and we can't have hakrosatov for our parents. A stupid little insect. Nope, Shabbos he didn't hurt us. I can't hurt him on Shabbos. Right over there. Yeah, that should have been in my hakrosatov book, but it's not. But it should be there. All right, that's impossible. An east wing. That's how they come. That's, no, that's how they come. No, you can't cut. They can't go that fast. Wind, the wind brings them in. They can't fly that fast. They're a little bug, like cockroach. They, they can't fly that fast. They can do a mile, uh, and I don't know how long. With the wind coming at eighty miles an hour, brought them in at eighty miles an hour. They always come with the wind. Grasshoppers. I mean, locusts. They used to have many times the plague of locusts, but. It says that they never will have a plague like that. That was that much. We had we had the plagues. We had locusts in um, in America many times. Now they they're not around anymore. But what they had locusts. They they they. There's not a leaf left. They don't leave a leaf left. It's a terrible thing when you're a farmer and your whole land is and they destroyed. There's nothing there. Talking about vegetation, let's talk a little bit about Tubishvat. Okay, so today's Rishchayishvat, Baruch Hashem. There's a machlekes in the in the in the Mishnayos. Beis Hillel and Beis Shammai. Beis Hillel says that the Rishchayish for trees is for fruit. For trees, fruit is Tubishvat, the fifteenth day of Shvat, and Beis Hillel, Beis Shammai. He says it's tonight and tomorrow. What's the machlekes? What's the machlekes based on, right? And the answer is that the whole celebration of Tu is about the esrig. In fact, you're supposed to daven on Tu for your esrig next year. You're supposed to daven. So what's the machlekes? The machlekes is, scientifically, when the sap the sap goes into the roots of the tree, of the esrit tree, when it starts to go up the tree. Bezillah says it starts to go up the tree today. Bishamah says it goes up the tree today. Bezillah says no, it goes up the tree 15 days later. The celebration of the whole thing is based on the sap of going up into the esrit tree itself, into the trees themselves. So the famous question is, now why do you make tubishvat in, in the winter? I was going to bring some branches. I forgot to bring them to show, show a little bit on the video, right? 
there's nothing there. There's not a bud. There's not a flower. Tonight there's going to be snow on them. They're frozen. They're old. The trees are dead. There's no leaves. That's not, this is not the time to celebrate fruits. The time to celebrate fruits is in the spring. You have a flower. You have a bud. Maybe in the middle of the summer you have the fruit. Why would everything look like it's dead? So, so the terrace is that, and this comes back to what we just spoke about in Pasha's Bow. The terrace is that to celebrate when you have the fruit, the finished product, that is not what Judaism is about. It's the potential, not the goal. So the, when the potential of the estric tree, the potential, not the fruit, when the potential of the estric tree begins to move into the bark of the tree, into the tree, that's when we celebrate. We're eating a fruit today that was from a dead tree last year. You understand? The dried fruit. We eat the fruit. So you're in front of the, in front of you, you're, you're, Hashem is showing you. You see this fruit? You see that tree? You think the tree is dead. It's winter. It's cold. It's dark. It's depressed. Right? But every single year, you're, you're eating the fruit of that tree. So you have to have a muna that what looks dead is going to give payers. That's the biggest fight against depression. Because depression and being down is about what your life is now. Right? Not understanding that you have a crazy potential. So we're, we're celebrating potential of the tree. The tree looks dead. If a person understands that, we're called an eight. We're called an eight hasada. In, in, in Kabbalah and everything, we're called an eight hasada. The godless, of course, when you see the apple, you make a boy pre-eight. But that's already, that's it. There's, there's no potential in that apple. It's done. It's finished. It fell off the tree. You picked it off the tree. It's done. It's not what a Jew celebrates. The Jew celebrates his potential. Lo alecham lachaligma. Your, 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 your godless is your potential. And sometimes, I just told this to a bunch of girls today, you look in the mirror and you see a dead tree. You, you're, you're depressed. I, everything I, nothing's going. I'm not married. Uh, nothing. So I, I have no fruit. Like a, like, I have no children. I have no buds. I have no flowers. I, I look in the mirror. I see this dead tree. Hashem is saying, yeah, go run outside. Do bishvat. Go run outside, look at the trees, then come running back inside and look at the fruit that the tree gave. Right now, you're looking at the tree, it looks like, ah, it's dead, it's nothing, there's nothing happening, there's no leaves, there's no shade, there's no flowers, there's no fruit, there's nothing. Look at that. But then when you come inside, to Bishrat, you have 15, 20 fruits in front of you, they were all on trees that last year were dead. Look dead, they're never dead. Look dead. But understand that they're not dead. The tree outside is not dead. That tree is going to be next year. Why is it a boy pre eight and a boy pre adama? The whole thing of boy pre eight, the basis of the bracha of boy pre eight is that's going to be here next year. A banana plant would not be here next year. It grows new, a new middle, whatever it is. So it's a boy pre adama. A strawberry, what's not a strawberry? A strawberry is also a boy pre adama. But a raspberry, thorn bush, right? Next year is going to be here. It's a boy pre eight. And a blueberry is a boy pre eight. I, it's, it's dead. Boy pre eight means that it's the pre of the eights, and the pre of the eights means that it's going to come back next year. The ability to look at something dead and understand that there is, even though it's dead, there's a sap underneath, so it's not really dead. The ability of a, 
of a Rebbe or a person or in Kirov or a parent or whoever's involved to look at a child that looks like he has no leaves, he has no fruits. Like what? What? What's going to be? You know, many times parents say, what's going to be with you? What's going to be with Look at you. What's going to be with you? And the answer is, Dad, Mom, come outside. Look at the tree. What's going to be with you? No leaves, no flowers. What's going to be with you? You know what's going to be with you? In three months from now, pink flowers. And two months from then, right, a little fruit. And two months from then, an apple, an orange, a pear. And we're going to make a bracha in Nisan. And that thing that looks dead, in Nisan, we're going to be standing there and making a bracha on Ilanais. Big bracha. We're going to make a bracha. So what's going to be with me? You're right, right now I look like a dead tree. What's going to be with me? The same thing that's going to be with a tree. That even though I look dead, I'm not dead, man. I'm not dead. And, and the people in Kirov, the people that are good, understand that I'm looking at someone that looks off the derech, disconnected, drugging, whatever they are. But I'm only I'm looking at the bark and I'm looking at the branches. But deep in, in, in deep down, deep down, the roots are trying to get a hold of, of the sap to put into the tree. You don't see that. Even according to Beis Hillel, that it's tuba shvat, you don't see a reaction until Nisan. You're talking tuba shvat, right? Tuba adar, tuba nisan. You're talking two months, 60 days before you see anything. That's, that's the godless of Tu B'Shvat. That's why it's a yantif. You don't say Tachran. You don't say Tachran. What are the, say Tachran on a yantif. It's a yantif of fruits. Well, what? Right? So I said, this is my own shot. I never saw it anywhere. I said, because what's Tachran? Tachran is, is saying, I'm sorry for what I've done. I'm sorry for what I'm going to do. That's an aside that's not accepted. You can't say, I'm going to do an Aveira, and then I'm going to say, I'm sorry. So why would Tu B'Shvat not have Tachan? I mean, we're all happy about it, but it's not, it's not a human holiday. Every day that you don't say Tachan is a human holiday. Pesach, Sukkot, whatever, Yishchaydesh, is a human holiday. Why don't they say Tachan on Tu B'Shvat? So somebody asked me that. So my thought is that Tachan is the opposite of Tu B'Shvat. Tachan is asking forgiveness on my sins. Tu B'Shvat is saying, I have the potential not to sin. So they're, 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 they're conflicting with each other. The Chacham said, no, it's a yantif. Why is it a yantif? You ever think about it? Why is it a yantif? Coconut I'm eating, and apple, and, and boxer, and, and dried. Well, why is that a yantif? Why is that a yantif? Why do you understand that? What's a yantif? If you go around the street, you ask somebody, what's the yantif of Tubishvat? It's Rosh Hashanah for trees. Are you a tree? What, what, what does that mean? You celebrate Rosh Hashanah for Mike's and Behemoth? Do you celebrate Rosh Hashanah for kings? Right? Abba Rosh Hashanah, hey? No. Why would you celebrate the Rosh Hashanah for fruit? What, what do we have to do with it? And the answer is, it's Rosh Hashanah for potential. It's Rosh Hashanah that you can look in the mirror and all you see is a dead tree. But Hashem is saying, I'm not celebrating when, you, when you're looking in the mirror and you're, you finish Shas and you're, you, you got where you needed to be. We're not celebrating that. We're selling really that something's moving in the tree. There's a little sap coming through those roots, and it didn't happen a whole winter. There's movement. There's something going on. There's something happening. Yantav no tachan. Because tachan is stuff that you did wrong. That's not what Tu B'Shvat is. Tu B'Shvat is what I'm going to do. This tree is going to give fruit. You can't cut down a fruit tree in the winter. You're not going to cut down a fruit tree. It's a big avera. You can't cut down. What do you mean? It's dead. 
And the answer is no, it's not dead. It's hibernating. It's not dead. It's, it's not inside. It's not dead. It's hibernating, and it's, it's, it's waiting to get this, the sap from the ground, get the stuff from the ground. So every Jewish kid that's off the derech that looks like a dead tree, they're just waiting to get that sap moving. And for a person to realize, when he sees a kid like that, or sees a person like that, to realize that it's a yontiv. There's a yontiv based on not seeing a product, but seeing potential. And on that yontiv, we don't even say tachman. And it's an interesting thing, because everybody keeps two bishvat. Everybody has some fruits, they buy pomegranate wherever they go. Everybody buys some. It's like, it's like a yontiv that made it, you know? We have a minig. My father had a minig. I still have it till today. And two bishvat, you have to have 15 fruits. 15 different fruits. You usually have about 21. What? No, 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 because it's two bishvat, right? You have 15 fruits and a shechianu. So you have like a hazelnut is a age, and a cashew is a age, and a walnut is a age. So just in the nuts, a peanut's not. But just in the nuts, you can find five or six. And then you have all the other fruits. A strawberry's not, a is not, but a blueberry. and all the, So we, we, my father, and we used to sit there. We used to, I still have it. And you can't eat supper after that, because you're eating like 15 different fruits and a shechianu. It's a big yantif, because all those fruits... All those fruits that are in front of you were on dead trees. Those trees that gave the cashew and gave or the hazelnut and gave the Brazil nut and gave the walnut, at this point of the year in New York, they're dead. they look dead. So the thing on your, your the thing in front of you last year at this time, right, wasn't there. It's coming from a tree that looked I wanted to bring in branches, but nothing, zero. It's a hope. Which is a hope and an understanding of the human being's potential. It's godless. Which is godless. So I'll end with my famous story, which I haven't said here in probably 15 years. But it was a story I said a long time ago. And you have to have an, whoever's listening, you have to have an imagination. You know, right? At this point, you know Red Wallstein has an imagination, right? But this is a big story. I used to tell this in Yeshiva all the time. Just haven't said it in a long time. So there was, um, there was a, f- a farmer, and he went, to the, he went to the store, and he bought a bag of seeds, right? Now, if you over, ever opened up a bag of seeds, they're dry. They look dead. They're just dry little pits. They are. They're pits. So he makes a couple of little holes that are six inches deep, right? And he puts every, every single one of these seeds from the packet, and then he covers it up. And he waters it, right? Let's say tomatoes. Tomato plant. He waters it. It's also godless. One of the therapies that we do in the ranch is called agricultural therapy, where girls learn, people learn who they feel they can do nothing in their life, everything goes wrong, that you have the power to grow things. So they have their own like farm. It's all fenced in. They they plant. We have a farmer, but he teaches them. But they do all the planting. And you have these girls from like... Flatbush and all these places that never got dirty in their life. And now they're sitting, in, I've seen it, they're sitting in the mud and they're planting their stuff. Radishes, corn, tomatoes, three kinds of squash, like summer squash, winter squash. Not normal. They had an unbelievable garden. I came up, I mean, I was up in the mountains and the radishes for my Shabbos meal, I got there. And because the earth was never used, it's an interesting thing with the earth, the radishes were so hot. Because if you plant and you plant and you plant and you plant, the energy of them, the, the minerals are not there anymore, but this land that we have was never planted on. So it was like everything that grew there, the core was sweet. Everything that grew was godless how they 
was so proud. I want to see, you know, could you eat, could you eat my tomato? Like, like, it's my tomato, right? God, was, it's, uh, agricultural therapy is amazing. Anyway, so I'm picturing, you got these 10 seeds that are now in the ground, six inches down. Seeds were never in the ground before. So they're all talking to each other. You have to have an imagination here, right? They're all talking to each other. They're like, what's up? What did this guy do to us? He was sitting nicely in the store, right? Now we're in the dirt, right? Like, what's going on? Like, what's supposed to happen? So one tells the other, I, I, I heard we like rot. We like die. Like, what? He says, yeah, first you rot. And then from the rot comes like this thing starts growing. And they're like, what? Now, we all know as little kids, the first thing you did in, 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 in first grade science is you took a cup and you put a bean in it and you watch the roots grow and you watch the top grow. I don't know if you did it in your school, but we did it in our school. Anyway, so I have this whole chevra, 10 guys talking to each other underneath the ground. And they rot, and they're like, okay, now they start to grow. But it's, it's six inches or 10 inches of sand. It was weird. Altogether, I have a different share on this. It's like amazing just to understand how Baruch Hu, because where does the seed get the energy from? It has no sunlight yet, right? So it's underneath the ground. To push six inches of sand out of the way that you can hop out of the surface of the earth. Doesn't have a battery, doesn't have coal, like what's it burn? Does it, where does it get the koyach? It takes crazy koyach, the ground's packed. It's packed, it's not loose. So that's number one, just to understand the whole bria of HaKadosh Baruch that what goes on underneath the ground, right, to, to, to be able to grow. And not all of them grow, some of them do, some of them don't make it. I'll tell you a little about the ones that don't make it. So they start pushing, they start pushing, but they don't know that they're six inches under the ground. They know they're under the ground. And as they start pushing, and there's more dirt and there's more dirt, they're thinking, you push forever. They don't know about a surface. They don't know about nothing. They're in the dirt. So they're in the dark, and they're thinking, there's no end to this. Who told them there's an end to it? They don't know there's an end to it. So, like five of them are like, listen, we're not doing this anymore. We're just going to stay where we are. We're going to open up a bar. We're going to party. Four inches underneath the ground, they stop growing. They're not interested. We have to push it in the dirt the whole time. And the other ones are like, no, you know, there's supposed to be a world, something, I don't know, whatever we heard. They're like, bluff. Like all the kids that are running around, there's no Elam Haba, there's no God. It's all a bluff. It's just a bluff. The whole thing's a bluff. We're atheists. So there were eight, there were five atheist beings who said, we don't believe in this whole thing. It's just, we're just here to be tortured and it's evolution. And it's the way the world happened, and it's random. So that's it. We're not pushing the dirt anymore. There's five guys left, and they're like, "We believe, we believe, we believe, we believe." Right? And they start pushing again, and they're pushing, they're pushing another two inches. Who knows how long it takes a while for it when you plant something for it to come out, whatever it is. And they're like, "You know what? We made a big mistake. We should have hung out with those guys. This is stupid. We listened to to the rabbis about this next world and all this other stuff." And they stop. And there's two guys left. And they're half an inch from the surface. The other guy stopped. They're just there. They don't know. They don't know. They don't believe. They're just there, like the elevator story. Just there. And the other two are like, listen. I just told this to a kid. Listen. I don't know what the deal is. But 
on the package, it says, put six inches on the ground and your tomato plant will grow. So that's what I am. I'm a tomato, I'm a tomato. So I don't know anything else. I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to keep pushing till I die. Once I die, I die. But I'm going to keep, you know, it's got to be something more than living in the dirt. It's got to be something more to it. We're a seed. The seed has the potential to grow. That's what we are. So, like, if we just stop here in the ground and chill out, right, what happens to those seeds? They die. The ones that don't get the light, sunlight, and the rainwater, they die. And sometimes when you plant a lot of plants, some of them die, some of them don't make it. The ones that die are the atheist plants. They didn't believe in it. They didn't believe. They stopped pushing. So these two guys say, you know what? It can't be life is about dirt. We got to get out of the dirt. So until we're dead, we're going to keep pushing to get out of the dirt. I just used this on, on, on a few girls I was talking to. I was like, this can't be where it's at. Where, it, where it's at? To shoot up a little heroin, to sleep with a guy, to smoke a cigarette, to eat food, go to the bathroom, be thirsty, get sick. It, it can't be the potential of a human being is how much drugs you do or how many guys you do or how much you drink. It can't be it. There's got to be more. So you know what? Let's push a little bit more. Let's take the next step. Nobody in this room, nobody watching this year can understand when these two seeds break surface. Everything they heard and everything they believed. Sunshine to a seed that lives in the ground that never saw the sun, never felt a drop of rain, to break earth. And all of a sudden, this beautiful light with all its energies that plants need, right? They feel that sun, they feel that light, they feel that rain, and all their buddies are stuck two inches under the surface, four inches under the surface, a half an inch under the surface, they gave up, right? They're all stuck, they're all dead, they have no life. They're not sitting in a in mere yeshiva yelling at their chavusa. They're sitting on a corner till four o'clock in the morning talking about nothing, chilling, chilling, doing nothing. They stopped an inch off the surface. They don't have life. They don't have sunlight. They don't have water. They don't feel the warmth. And all their friends on the corner, they don't understand the guy that made it, the guy that's in yeshiva, the guy that has a family. They don't understand that. But that's feeling, like the butterfly for the first time that it flies, that feeling when that plant, when that apple seed breaks surface and there's sunlight and there's rain and he grows and he grows and he grows and he becomes an apple tree and he has blossoms and people are making brachas on him and then all of a sudden he grows his fruit and people are picking to eat and this one seed, from this one seed comes a whole apple tree. And in each apple, there's 12 seeds, 15 seeds. And this, from this one seed on one apple tree, there are hundreds and hundreds of apple trees, potential apple trees. And he's thinking to himself, if my buddies would have just pushed another day, another half an inch, another eighth of an inch, a tree would rain on the flowers, sunlight, a whole life that all the seeds, the apple seeds, that were not tomato seeds, the apple seeds that are underneath the ground that stopped and said, let's party, this whole thing's not true. He stands and he says, you idiots, you could have been like me. 
Instead, he gave up too early. That's Tu Tubishva is the taich of the seed in the ground, of the beginning of the growth of the tree. Machlokus is when it started, but not if it started. Basil and Beisham both agree it's just when it started, either two and a half, two weeks or two weeks later. But that is what Tubishva is, and that's so big. If you take that in, that's so big. That's so anti-depression. You're looking in the in the in, when you look in the mirror. Don't look at what you think you are. Look at what you think you can be. That's too bishvat. It's not what I am. The tree is dead. I mean, it looks dead. There's nothing going on. Nothing. There's no sign of life. Zero. Don't look at that in the mirror. Look at when you look at that tree. I see apples. I see oranges. I see peaches. I see nectarines. I see pears. Even though right now it's in the middle of the winter and I don't see anything, but I see my potential. And if people would understand that, that's what Tubishvat is a celebration. That I see my potential. And then next year, even though right now I'm depressed and I'm anxious and whatever I'm going through, I don't feel good about myself, right? They will be in a couple of months from now. I, if I, if I don't give up, if I, if I, if I stop pushing, I'm not going to see anything. But if I push and I don't give up, I'm going to see the sunlight. I'm going to see the rain. I'm going to feel the wind on the fruit and on the tree and on the leaves. There's no wind underneath the ground. There's no sun underneath the ground. There's no raindrops. Yeah, there's water, but there's no raindrops. And that's why it's such a big yantar, and that's why we don't say ta'achim. And that's what we have to think about, not just eating some fruit on Tu It's very deep. It has a very, very deep meaning. And if you have that, you'll understand that every time you look in the mirror, you'll see your potential. And that's what we celebrate. We don't celebrate an apple. We make a bracha on an apple. We don't celebrate the growth of the apple. We celebrate the bracha. I don't want to eat anything and steal from Hashem. You have to make a bracha on it. But the actual growth and understanding, I think that's what Hashem told my Shabbat. Right now, what you see, everything you try, power doesn't let you out. We're stuck. Stuck in the trying. We're done. We tried everything. Barat, he said, Hashem is right and I'm wrong. He still didn't let us out. Hashem's like, it's like, this is the potential. I need to hit him with another maca and another maca. Stop getting depressed, Moshe Beno, that you're trying to do something and it's not working. It's working. We're not supposed to be getting out. We're supposed to be staying here for another three makas. This guy is going to learn a lesson. And he won't learn that lesson if he would have let us out the first time. And we have to understand that everything is from Akkadosh Baruch Just like William said, he said, you know, you don't have to have this happen to you. It happened to me. You don't have to have it happen to you. To see Hashem. But many people don't have the ability to see Hashem. Your Wallstein, I was dead on September 11th. So every day I live after that is a gift. I was dead. They're all dead. All my friends are dead. Gone. And a terrible death. The whole fifth travel, they lost everybody. So I was gone. So every single day, for me, is just a, a bonus. That guy was supposed to hire me. He was my best friend. Hashem put in his head not to hire me for whatever reason. Every single day is a bonus. But you should know, you don't need to have that happen. Every day you wake up is a bonus. Every single day is a bonus. Just like for me it's a bonus. The same, the same thing with, with Rav Steinman that time, right? You think, oh, listen to the story. Hashem gave him extra life. No, Hashem didn't give him extra life. Every morning you get up, he gives you extra life. You don't know the cheshman of when you're not supposed to be here anymore. That was, a, the, it will end with this word from Rav Steinman. It was the greatest word I ever heard. Third time, the third time, he had pneumonia. 
he's 103 years old. The doctor, Israeli doctor, walks and he says, Rabbi, you are a walking miracle. At 103, three times pneumonia, and you're, and you're walking out of this hospital, you're a walking miracle. In a second, Rav Steinman looks at him and says, so are you. <laughs> no difference. Just because I had pneumonia makes me a miracle. That, you're not, that your blood's working, your brain's working, all that stuff. That's what he meant. My, my, one of my people that I deal with, he had the yeshiva, he was there, Rabbi Dessa was there. In a second, he's like, there's no difference. Because I had pneumonia, I'm a miracle. You're also a miracle. We're all miracles. We should be zaycha to see open miracles. We should be zaycha to, to celebrate two Bishvat in the Beis HaMikdash. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.